didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney, and this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, taking a look at every episode of Stranger Things. We've made it to season four, but before we get into episode four, Dear Billy, we're going to talk about that trailer that was released for volume two. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. It gave I, um, me chills. My, my big question, and Holly had the same question we were watching, is the, the mask over the face, that was L, I think, right? That looked yes. like L. Okay. Yes. It was kind of hard to tell. I kind of freeze-framed and <laughs> turned yes. my head to the side. But yeah, that was crazy. It, it no. looks, I mean, that, that looks like where we're going to end volume two is going to be kind of either either all hell everything has gone to hell and everybody's like backs against the wall or yes i i think it's going to be the dreaded to be continued when it ends i do not think i would put money on them not defeating vecna the mind flayer whatever this season i'm not sure that hopper and and uh joyce make it back to hawkins I don't think so either. And I know, I know going into the season before anything even dropped, you know, we were kind of guessing who was going to die. And I was thinking Murray was my best guess. Mm -hmm. And I could still kind of see that happening. But then the question comes with, are they going to kill off any of the, I can't believe they'd kill off any of the the main cast. No, no, my money's on Eddie dying, unfortunately. Yeah, that was, that's kind of where I was, that's where I was leaning to. So. Well, there's that scene in the trailer where he's, which we've seen before of him just absolutely, you know, going to town on that guitar, which by the way, was actually Joseph Quinn playing. Oh, he plays guitar really? Yes. He's very talented guitar player. Cool. He is. uh, So they didn't know that when they, when they cast him and they just got lucky. Yeah. That's cool. So, but yeah, there's that scene of him on the top of the trailer and the upside down. And now you can see. Dustin is behind him screaming. Right. So my guess, and one of my coworkers, we were talking about it today. She thinks that Dustin is screaming because he sees Eddie die, yeah. which makes sense because I think he gets, my guess is he gets killed by the Demobats. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Certainly. Anything else in the trailer kind of. Well, someone said in the trailer that the person putting the mask the oxygen mask on 11 and i need to go back and watch i've only watched it twice that that person had painted nails which if that's the case that makes me think it is maybe a a vision or something maybe she's seeing her mom put that mask on her i don't know it'd be easier enough to look hang on i'll just i'll i'll scan forward here i know we get um will and jonathan hugging there's plenty of people thinking that's when will comes out and someone posed an interesting theory that will comes out to jonathan but really it's vecna yeah there are painted nails yeah painted fingernails yeah so who's putting the mask on her right yeah i mean could be i mean could be anybody in the in the you know if if it's after she leaves um, you know the Nina project the bunker oh it could be anybody I mean it could be anybody in the bunker too oh I don't be, think you know. it's she's left the bunker yet did you see this the shot of of Brenner carrying her out yeah so 
I'm real confused on how all that's going to go down. Yeah. With him carrying her out and then the explosion. Surely, surely to God, we're not trying to give Brenner a redemption arc. No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't like, think so. I, like, surely that cannot happen, right? I would, I would think not. Yeah. That seems like a great mistake. That was a good trailer. I like the uh, I like the RV. I'm trying to figure out where they might get an RV from. I <laughs> also wondered where they got an RV. And at yeah. first I thought maybe it was Eddie's van that he drives. He yeah, but no, it's a, it's an RV because yeah. Max slams the door and the W for Winnebago is right mm-hmm. on the door. Yeah, so. Yeah, so they get that from somewhere. Yeah. I'm excited about it, though. I mean, we're 10 days away. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I don't know by if the time I'm this comes screeners. out, we're, we're eight days away when this comes out. Oh, so. yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know if I'm getting screeners. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're giving anyone screeners. To be honest, I wouldn't. I don't know if I were them, but I don't know. I would think yeah. if you were getting them, you would have gotten them because you got well, them. Well, I got the. I didn't get the seventh episode until about three or four days before. Yeah, but you got like the first four, like like weeks before, didn't you? Yeah, but they weren't done editing these two. Oh, that's true. Yeah, is my guess. I don't know though. I really don't know. They did send yeah. me. You know, they sent me. I got a heads up about the trailer coming today, but they still didn't let us preview it. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it'll be cool. I like it. I'm excited. All right. Are you ready for our summary? Yes. We are recapping chapter four, Dear Billy. The fourth chapter of Stranger Things 4, titled Dear Billy, debuted on Netflix on May 27th, 2022. It was written by Paul Dichter directed by Sean Levy and has a runtime of one hour, 19 minutes and nine seconds. We pick back up on the night of Sunday, March 23rd, 1986, with Will, Mike, and Jonathan peppering the FBI agents with all kinds of questions before they give him a letter from Elle saying she's gone off to become a superhero again. 2,000 miles away in Hawkins, Nancy and Robin arrive at the high school to meet up with Dustin, Max, and Steve. Max has put the pieces together that she only has a day to live. Lucas runs in, telling everyone that Jason is hot on their trail, but then he finds out there are bigger fish to fry. The next morning, Monday, March 24th, Jason arrives at the Sinclairs and asks Erica where Lucas is while the gang has retreated to the Wheelers. Max has stayed up all night writing letters to everyone while Steve, Dustin, and Lucas debate the origins of the Upside Down. Nancy and Robin announce their plan to go to Pennhurst and interview Victor Creel posing as students. They split up. Max has Steve drive her to her mom's house while Robin and Nancy head to Penhurst and sweet talk Dr. Hatch into letting them see Creel. Murray and Joyce arrive in Alaska and Yuri starts counting his money. Back in Lenora, Mike, Will, and Jonathan want to escape, so they order a pizza to get Argyle to come be their wheels, but not before Mike and Will share a little moment. Just then, army men storm in, guns blazing. The boys are able to escape with a wounded Agent Harmon and speed off with Argyle. Meanwhile, in Kamchatka, Hopper is close to putting his own escape plan in motion. He breaks his sledgehammer so he can go to the tool shed and sneak away. A guard discovers him, though, forcing Hopper to blow the place up and escape to the safe house on a snowmobile. Enzo then gets a phone call from Yuri, though, letting Enzo know that turning everyone over to the warden is a lucrative proposition. Hopper is recaptured, Enzo is arrested, and Joyce and Murray are drugged. After saying goodbye to her mom, only to find out it's really Vecna, Max runs away and heads to the cemetery with Steve, Dustin, and Lucas. Nancy and Robin, meanwhile, meet with Victor, who tells the whole story of how his family was cursed and killed back in 1959. He mentions hearing the Angel of Music before Dr. Hatch returns and puts the kibosh on the whole escapade, having found out the girls were lying. 
Robin and Nancy run away, though, and call Dustin on the radio. Back at the cemetery, Max reads her letter to Billy at his grave. Just as she finishes, Vecna possesses her, and she confronts Billy in the Upside Down. Max runs, but Vecna chases her to the Red World, where he ties her up with his tentacles. Back in the real world, Dustin tells Stephen Lucas that the key to getting Max back is playing her favorite song, Cue, Running Up That Hill. In the mind lair, Max hears the music, sees a portal open up, and remembers all the happy times she's had in Hawkins with her friends. She rips one of Vecna's neck tendrils and runs for the portal, making it out just in time. She's back with the boys, having broken Vecna's curse. At least for the time being. The end of chapter four. I think this ranks up there as one of the best episodes of television ever. Yeah, it's it's, it's easily my favorite episode of the season and probably my favorite episode of the series so far. Yeah, it's so good. Like, um, I really get chills every time I, I watch it. It's, and, and there's so much good stuff in it. Uh, before we go on, though, before we do homework, two little corrections to make. One, I mentioned in last week's episode that Elle gave her letter to Mike, but that hadn't happened yet. I'm not sure where I got that from. I guess all the oh. episodes <laughs> just kind of blur together. So this was Elle's letter episode, not last one. And then the other one was a big goof on my part. And that was the whole discussion we had about Nintendo. I read wrong in two places, actually that Nintendo didn't come out until September of 1986. That was in Europe. It came out in America in October of 1985, bundled with Duck Hunt. So we're talking, what, five months, six months after? So Nintendo is a thing. So forget everything I said about Nintendo. And I I was thinking, I was like, that is a huge mistake to make, especially because it's a like kind of a plot point. Yeah, it comes up a couple of times. So, okay, you want to do homework? Uh, yes, I do. Um, are you ready for some homework? You're late again. Yeah, I had to get catch-up homework. What if I said no? Just that. <laughs> what would happen? I guess I would just be like, okay. Okay, no homework. <laughs> okay. In Dear Billy, number one, what's in the painting above the fireplace when the agents are telling Jonathan, Will, and Mike about Eleven? Wow. I mean, I looked at every wall in every room and every <laughs> except for that one. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even remember seeing a painting because there was at this point, I'm realizing, didn't we talk about Elle's letter last week? <laughs> so that's all I was thinking I was about. seriously yeah. so confused. I There were things that we talked about last week, I swear, that didn't happen until, yeah, this, episode, until this episode. Or I was having yeah. like serious yeah. stage <laughs> It's really weird. So, well, yeah. the whole thing with Max really putting together all the headaches and stuff too with the, with yeah. the files she started, but this was the episode. So I don't right. know what happened. It was, we're, I don't all, either. we're all crazy. So I have no idea. How about a, how about a lovely hunting scene with people on horseback hunting a fox or something? I don't know. No, it's deer in a forest. Okay. Yeah, well, it was a nature at least, painting. You were at least, close. At least nature and of. outdoors. So that's good. Yes. Okay. Number two, what direction does Dimitri tell Hopper to head toward the church? Uh, oh, he says, go to the church with the gray roof. He says, head, head blank to the church with the gray roof. I want to say west, but north is what's banging in my head. So it's probably east. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll say west. Yeah. It is west. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's west. Okay. Number three, what type of crackers are sitting on the shelf in Mike's basement? In Mike's basement. Oh, when they're down there with Max and she's doing mm-hmm. the letters. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing crackers actually. There is. I remember there's a seeing... tin of crackers on the shelf. 
Ritz seems too obvious. I can't believe it'd be saltines. So I don't, let's say saltines, but I have no idea. Ritz. There's a Ritz deck going. There was it. like a tin. Oh, really? It looked like a tin, but I don't remember Ritz crackers ever coming in a tin. I don't either. Okay. Number four. How many toes would Hopper have left after running miles in the snow barefoot? <laughs> At least six. I said zero. He would have, he would have lost. All zero. 10 toes. Oh, how zero would he, I, I thought, again, how many have, did he leave in the snow? Um, yes. How many would he have left on his foot? Yeah. yeah. Very, very few. Yeah. Okay. Because he still has the, the wounds too. So it's just. And his, I, oh, oh, it hurt my feet. Made my feet hurt. Yeah. <laughs> okay last question who's on the poster next to hopper in the church oh elvira correct okay i got that one not too shabby okay. all right so yeah let's just start at the top so we got the fbi agents talking to the boys um saying they don't know how long l is going to be gone but they need to trust them and the factions of the government are working against them uh, and against L, and we have to trust that they're the good guys. And this is when Mike gets the letter. And so now you can now you can talk about your level of pettiness. Yeah, now, that's another thing that threw me off. I, I love that she signs it from L. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> that was really good. Yes, that is the pettiness I would stoop to. <laughs> so at this point, do you remember? Obviously, before what happens later in this episode, at this point, were you were you kind of on board with these FBI guys, or were you skeptical? Or I'm kind of naive when it comes to that stuff i was like mm, they're probably there to help yeah i was i was kind of i mean i didn't i and and you think about it you don't even see 11 doesn't even make an appearance in this episode at all so we really don't know i mean we just assume we just heard what owen said you know owen said he was there to help her but we don't know for sure yeah i was kind of going there with owen so they're good people that was kind of my yeah back so obviously yeah. later it becomes clear that they're good guys but right Okay, so the next day they're under house arrest. The guys are watching golf. I was trying to figure out what golf tournament they were watching. It kind of looked like the Masters, but it wasn't because the caddies weren't in the white suits that you wear at the Masters. And I didn't really oh, yeah. want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but they were watching golf. Uh, it was a very 80s golf <laughs> tournament. That, that, that you could figure out. They get the coupon and call Argyle. And this is what was in, um, we mentioned it, I think it was a couple episodes ago mm -hmm. when you call the number of the, 80545 pizza. I, I now have that number burned into my brain. <laughs> so the whole pineapple bit is what, what shows up there. So Mike throws the letter in the trash, um, has his little conversation with Will, and they decide, you know, they're going to be good friends. And but Mike also mentions that he still never said that thing to Elle. So he still can't. I mean, even to Will, he can't say, I should have said I loved her, but I didn't. Right. So, and Will is on the verge of professing his love to Mike. He got so excited to show him that painting. And I then he's like, never mind. <laughs> you just didn't do it. <laughs> it was kind of weird because I, I didn't realize, I, I, I just assumed they were in Will's room at first, but then I realized it was Jonathan's room. Oh, looking, I thought they were in Will's room. Well, Will's room they're in later um, because this room had the posters on the walls. There was the Joy Division poster and the REM poster right above and under each other on the wall next to the door. And then on the other side, kind of behind Will over his right shoulder, uh, as we're looking at him, is the black and white poster with the five people and it's the Velvet Underground and Nico. And I'm like, what is oh. Will doing with Joy Division and REM and Velvet Underground? And then I realized later the scene when we were talking 
right as they're getting ready to leave when Will is packing and he grabs the painting, that room has Jaws. And Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors and a couple board games. Yeah. So that's actually Will's room. So they were in Jonathan's room, which actually took me a couple of times of viewing that, you know, for me to even think about it. And then we get one of my favorite bits in the whole series, this single take shootout scene. And I timed it and it is 55 seconds long. And I'm just, I'm just fascinated by this kind of stuff. I remember watching True Detective the first season when that came out mm-hmm. and you want to talk ambitious. They did a six minute take uninterrupted, all single shot. Um, it actually ended up winning the Emmy for direction and editing. And I just, I just love this kind of stuff. So I'll put up a couple of links. I have one link. Uh, Sean Levy talking about it in the geeked, mm-hmm. the geek thing that they just did a couple of weeks ago. And then I found another one today that Charlie did with, I think it was GQ England or British GQ, where he talks about it too. And I assumed that they did it all like in one take, like they did it once. And if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, you know, whatever uh-huh. he, he says, they ended up doing it about five times. Really? The, the thing was they had to reset. And he says in this interview, he kind of walks us through the whole thing. It takes about a half an hour to reset because you got to clean up all the glass. You got to put more glass in. You got to get everybody back to their first positions and and reset everything. He thinks he remembered doing it about five times. And the fifth one, they all got done and they realized it was really great. But I'll put up a link to both of those things for people. And also also put a link up to the True Detective one too, which is crazy. It's literally six minutes long. It's insane. But kudos to uh, Nick Muller is who actually took over for Bob Gorlick. Remember I mentioned Bob mm-hmm. Gorlick. So he's the steady cam camera A guy. Uh, so he was on the camera through all of this. So kudos to Nick Miller could, could be this potential MVP. Does it matter if they're shaky when they do stuff like that? Like, no. I, and I think it's on purpose. Cause I mean, yeah, it's like they, you're running. Through. They could have very easily done a steady cam. Mm-hmm. So I, I said steady cam, but he's like the camera A guy. So this was, you know, more of a handheld, kind of, you know, either on the shoulder or kind of in front of you. But yeah, it, you know, the whole idea of, I mean, it's not just a gimmick, you know, just to prove that you can do it. I mean, it, it, it does lend immediacy to it and mm-hmm. kind of oh, put yeah. you in the moment. So, so then Argyle comes, they all get in the car and peel off into the desert. And that ends kind of the Lenora Hills aspect of the episode. So anything else you want to talk about in that section? No, no, the, I have one article, but it's not until the um, mind layer. So we're good. Okay. So Joyce and Murray, um, I thought you were going to ask me what room they were in. They were in room 109. I knew you would get that. Why didn't ask it? <laughs> they go to meet Yuri. Murray does mention um, that he now has a black belt. Mm-hmm. So they get there and they, they see who turns out to be Yuri, who does his, you know, one of his, I'm kidding. With so you. annoying. <laughs> he really I is hate annoying. him. Whole polar bear attack. Yeah. Bit. And then he has to sit and individually count $40,000. Right. He was just waiting for the drugs to take hold. I would, I would have drugged myself. Right. Sit there. <laughs> oh my but gosh. I do like Murray's line. Of, I don't like him. No. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. <laughs> so they end up getting drugged and that's, you know, kind of the end of Joyce and Murray. Then we got the Hopper storyline. Oh gosh. It was brutal. It really was. Um, I did like the scene with Enzo as they're kind of walking out at the beginning and the whole uh, great escape bit with the Cooler King and Steve McQueen and the odds were 50 to one, but you're going to have to be better than Steve McQueen today. And that's what yeah. happened. So I think your odds are more 100 to one, which I thought yeah. was good. Do you feel like Yuri, not Yuri, uh, Enzo. 
Dimitri. Enzo. Dimitri. He's Enzo. Let's just call him Enzo. It's just like he's Peter Ballard, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like his, he looks weird when they, he looks like his face looks superimposed or something. His eyes are so blue. He almost looks like he's not, he's in front of a green screen every time he's on the screen. It, it's weird. He's so, A, ridiculously handsome, first of all. Is that what it is? He is ridiculously what handsome. Yes, he's ridiculously. It's absurd. He's crazy good looking. But he's also, <laughs> com- you know, compared to all the other guards. Yeah. You know, who are just like, you know, you know, if there's a stereotypical Slavic Russian guard yes. look, you know, they, they all have that like- look. So yes. he sticks out like a sore thumb, but he's on he top look, of it's that, like staring directly at the sun. Yeah, he's gorgeous. I can't, I can't <laughs> look at him for too long. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Hopper does the whole supply tool shed bit and makes it to the safe house, finds um, the jeans and the cigarettes and the peanut VHS butter. tapes and the peanut butter. Did you notice the peanut butter looked it? It was oh, somebody had already been in it. It had already been in it. Yeah, it, it was, was weird. I guess it was probably from like more than one take. Yeah, that's what I figured too, uh, because but, the, the box was sealed, but the peanut butter and yeah and then and then you could see it on the edge but also i like as much as i love hopper and i mean hopper is a handsome handsome man to me like i love me some david harbour but i can't watch him eat that peanut butter because he's like slobbers all over his fingers and it's just gross to me (laughs) i mean i understand i i get it he's starving but still i'm like oh that's gross. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, and then I had written down the Elvira poster. Mm-hmm. And and then the phone call comes from Yuri that they've all been betrayed, basically. So everything goes Ugh, to hell in a handbasket. He just, I hate Yuri. I do too. Like, I feel like it was unnecessary to make Hop go through all that. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Okay, so then we get to Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Max is talking about seeing the clock. She discovers that she basically has 24 hours to live. They hear the sound in the hallway. So Steve grabs a lamp. Lamp. Yes. And it's like that tweet. If there's one thing we can count on stranger writers to do, it's to give their characters a ridiculous weapon. <laughs> so funny. I love it. Fast forward to the next morning. Erica is painting, who I assume is a little figure of Lady Applejack. Jason comes to the door. And so this is my question. So he comes to the door. He's looking for Lucas. He thinks he might be with Dustin. Erica, do you know Dustin? Erica says, I bled bled with him. him. Chances are he's with your cheater boyfriend. What does that mean? What am I missing? Is this like really obvious? And I'm just like completely spacing out. He's talking about Lucas. Because remember, she says when he says when he comes up, She's like, oh, you're a downgrade from Max. I got like, you. She's okay. giving him a hard time. I'm like, what is she? Okay. <laughs> I, I figured it was something really obvious and I was just missing it. It was. Okay. So I do like that she's charging interest um, on covering him yes. for, for two days. Yeah. And, and so this brought up the Nintendo with the duck hunt, so which made me look that up again. So then we're down in the basement at the Wheelers. Max has been writing her letters. They're discussing whether or not the Upside Down has been around and, and has maybe even predated the dinosaurs, which, sure, why not? I, I was actually thinking that might be a good way to end the series. Like, the whole series is, like, going back to, like, pre-dinosaur times and showing the origin of the Upside Down. Well, you know Down. we're getting spinoffs, so yeah. maybe yeah. we could see. I don't know. It's, like, one of those things. It's I would like it to be answered, but it's not going to really affect us no, for anything if it's not. So Robin and uh, Nancy come in. They have crafted their resumes. Mm -hmm. So they are Ruth. And then Robin is Rose Weaver. And that she lives 
And her zip code for Hawkins is 47230, which is the zip code of Deputy Indiana, which is kind of a little tiny town. I could have actually used that for the where in the world is. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's a little tiny town called Deputy Indiana. So this is the first time we've actually seen a zip code for Hawkins, but that's a real zip code in Indiana, kind of South Central Indiana, a little oh. town called Deputy Indiana. Then they go into the room to get the clothes. We see the Tom Cruise poster, which we'd seen. Um, which, why, why was Robin shocked that she had a Tom Cruise poster? Did you get that? Yeah, like, it was, was. Was it embarrassing to like Tom Cruise back then? I I don't know if she was like, I can't imagine she was like legitimately excited about it. It was just kind of, you have a Tom Cruise poster. It wasn't like you have a Tom Cruise poster. No, no, no. She was yeah. like, oh, you have a Tom Cruise poster. Like yeah. she was shocked that Nancy liked him. Yeah. Like maybe she thought Nancy had, would like her type was something different. I don't know. And she was oddly shocked about that. The music, music box, box with, with the, the ballerina. ballerina too. Yeah. 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 So then we split up. Robin and Nancy go to Penhurst and they meet with Dr. Anthony Hatch. Um, I love Robin's whole speech. About, oh, I hate it. About Peter oh. McHugh. Yeah. The whole I thing. hate it. I just love how she like kind of went off and, and had this whole thing. And she's like, just screw yeah. it. Let us in and see him. Yeah, no. I, I But also there's another Pete. There is another Petey. Petey. Little, little Petey McHugh. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had, uh, or we haven't had it yet, but one of Susie's siblings. That's Peter. true. Yeah. When we get there. Yeah. So Peter too, right? Yeah. I'm it all means this. nothing. <laughs> I'm so mad about it. So they slap each other a low five on their way to go see Victor Creel. And then obviously I got the huge silence of the lambs. Mm-hmm. That was in my list of movie references. Yeah, reference. And then, so they meet with Victor and then he takes them through the kind of the whole thing, kind of his whole history. He has been back from the war. They got this house from their great uncle and they lived very nicely for about a month and then the dead animals started showing up and then the spiders and, and which then... the spiders you know who else had spiders or used spiders that looked almost identical Callie oh that's right yeah in her hand she made the spiders appear. yep and yep. they were the same ones that's right so I'm very curious I actually wrote an article about whether or not there's some connection uh-huh well we'll post it. I was going to ask you if you had any relevant articles for this i do i do that one and there was something else we talked about at the beginning and i can't remember what it was but yes so yeah he goes through the whole thing he has this war flashback which is horrifying by the way oh my god that that, like i'll give it away right now but that's the scariest moment maybe of the whole season yeah that was that baby screaming in a cradle yeah while it's on fire yeah (laughs) i was like oh my god like we're going there yeah, it was nuts. And then we got the scene, and I think I talked about it in one of our other podcasts, maybe it was when we were on with Waiting in the Sky, the razor blade. And I'm like, please don't show oh, it. Oh, yeah. Please don't show right. it. Right. And um, it, how they, they made it so it looked like even old Victor Krill. Yeah. And he went to like rub his eyes, and then it immediately switched to his shoes with blood, yeah, dripping, the blood on dripping on him. Yeah. So for a second, I was like, did he like rip his stitches out again? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I just, Oh, I don't like eyeball stuff. Oh, I don't either. Well, I, I, I don't like razor blade stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I no. liked, I really, I watched cause I read the book, the 13 reasons why. And I just, I knew, oh, I knew yeah. it was coming and I just couldn't watch it. I just went yeah. out of the room for 30 seconds and came back. I just, oh. no, 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 no. Nope. So Dr. Hatch comes back, has exposed them for the lying liars that they are. <laughs> And Robin and Nancy go running, which I thought was hilarious. It was just a great little scene. They it say, was. Marilla, you left your shoe. And, yes. It was really good. So then we get to the, uh, we kind of split off. So then we have the Dustin, Max, Lucas, Steve storyline still in Hawkins, obviously. I did like the line um, when Steve asked Dustin if he had batteries in the walkie-talkie. 
which kind of rewound back to season three when he ran out with Erica. And but also, Erica. I swear we had this conversation last week that he thought it was stupid that he didn't that he asked that question. I don't know. I don't remember talking about that. We did talk about a lot of stuff. <laughs> we talked about that. Particularly. I don't know. So we get the Max stuff with her mom. I actually thought it was her mom at first. Not well, I 100%. Thought, I mean, but I, I was thought kinda, it was until she hugged her. It was kind of weird. And I'm like, why? Because she was acting like her mom wasn't home and expected her at work. But then they had the line, you know, that she got off early or whatever. So I mean, what, what has happened to Susan since the divorce? Things have yeah. really gone downhill for them. Right. Yeah. Like she's like a total alcoholic now, it seems like. Yeah. Alcoholic and, and living in a trailer. And yeah. Yeah. So then we get Vecna, you know, your time is almost at an end. Which have you noticed that one of Vecna's hands is incredibly bigger than the other? Yeah, it's like the, the girl's hand in the woods. The, the Yeah, so it has something to do with the Dungeons and Dragons Vecna, because there's like the hand of Vecna and the eye of Vecna in the game. Oh, okay. So it's kind of I can't remember. I read it. It's kind of complicated, but it has something to do with defeating him. So I'm wondering if it's going to come into play at some point because they do make it noticeably larger. Yeah, yeah. It's got I the, mean, it's like a crab claw and a hand. Yeah, yeah. Lucas talks to Max and, you know, does the whole I'm right here. Uh, you know, which, I feel so bad for Lucas. And Max yeah. is just, I, this is one of my pet peeves with characters is when they won't talk about like a very obvious issue that needs to be discussed yeah that possibly their friends could help with it drives me insane especially when the friend is right there saying tell me yeah (laughs) right to me yes it's so frustrating it's not like you had to hunt them down in a back alley you know but it's also not like they don't know that there is something bigger going on it's not like they don't know that you're being yeah targeted by this alternate dimension being well, but, I'm I'm optimistic that maybe this is kind of a turning point, and now she will confirm. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. But I'm just like it's frustrating. I remember watching it for the first time, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, just tell him." Yeah. <laughs> so how cool was it seeing Billy again, our old buddy Daker? Um, it's still hot in the upside down, I guess, because he was still sweaty. And yeah, sweaty he, and bloody, still yeah, looking he, good though. He's he looked like, that's that is what he Daker posted a picture on Instagram back in October. Gosh, it might be October 2019. Had they started filming yet? Or October 2020. Okay, then it was October of 2020. Yeah. He posted a picture on Instagram and he was in like all the Billy get up. Yep. Like from that last season and people went nuts thinking he was (laughs) definitely returning for season four, which I figured he would either... He would probably be in a flashback, especially once we learned the episode titles. Yeah, and we knew that he was coming back. He was in the. ID. Oh, people were convinced yeah. Yeah. that he was Vecna. Oh yeah, no, I, that was. I remember telling you and I think it was with coffee. Oh yeah, saying, that was my guess. She laughed at me, but <laughs> <laughs> I should mention, um, and I can I can post a link to this too that. I know you know, but if anybody didn't, that that was all filmed over Zoom because um, mm-hmm. Billy was still in Australia and, and you know, quarantined because of COVID. So yes, which, Sean, Sean Levy's on a Zoom call directing so, literally half a world away. Get this. I did a video for work and we went over, I debunked like some stupider fan theories that are out there. Yeah, I saw <laughs> and, that, yeah. And one of them was that they think that you know, in season three, when you see Dacre or Billy in, in when, right before he gets taken by the mind flayer and there's yeah. all those other Billies. Yeah. So now there's this theory circulating that the quote unquote good Billy 
is still alive and stuck in the upside down. And the mind flayer killed an evil version of Billy. Yeah. No. And I, I'm like, well, how could he get much worse? That was, a, that was your thumbs down, right? Oh yeah. I was <laughs> stupid. Stupid. Like, and that was my reason. Was this, is it stupid with Whitney Danauer? That was my reason because he filmed all his stuff in Australia. He was not right. even there. Right. To yeah. Film with Max. Yeah. I do love the red world. I think that was, that's, it's just a really cool, the mind layer, whatever. They have a it. clip on how they made it and stuff on, yeah. I think it's yeah. Netflix geeked. Yeah. That geek thing they did. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if anybody didn't see it, look it up and look, watch the whole thing. I'll post a couple of clips from it, but really, really good. And then we get uh, the, the scene from the trailer. I remember we were talking about the first trailer, the thing that made me go, what? And that was Max levitating, mm-hmm. which just really freaked me out. And I even knew it was coming and it still freaks me out. Oh, I hate um, the way her eyes look. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. I do love, <laughs> I love the whole scene. I love the whole whole episode. Last 10 minutes are great. But thank God they didn't end with her running fade to black. I thought. And, and they actually, that's... you know, continued it to show her get out. Yeah. I actually thought because when they sent the screeners, they only sent the first four and they ended I mean, granted, it wasn't right when they, they didn't fade to black, even though when I was watching and I was like, they're going to fade to black right here. I'm not going to see if she gets through, right. but they, they, end, you know, after that, I was like, they could easily end part one after episode four. Yeah. Because we didn't, it was a good place to stop Yeah, as yeah. any. Yeah. When she pulls that. Tendril thing. Whatever it is. Yeah. It like makes this really gross snapping sound. Squelchy, squelchy snap. I actually, I sent it to you, I know, but I have the article pulled up from Cinema Blend about the sound director Yeah, and how he got those sounds because we also saw Chrissy and Fred with their bones all broken. Yeah. And this is how they got the sounds. Uh, The guy's name is Angelo Palazzo. Yep. And he said... With the bones, we went through a few iterations. I did early recordings with that where I, like I was saying, I always try to, I always try to start with real world organic sounds that are familiar to us, but I do them in a way and I present it in a context that's completely foreign. So it still registers. So I did a whole recording of fibrous cabbage recordings where I would twist vegetables. Also, I would wrap them in a wet cloth. So that sounds like your skin and the bones breaking underneath your skin. So I did a whole series of celery, peppers, and cabbage. The cabbage is one of the best because it sounds like tendons. Yeah. What does it, what does it usually say? Is, it, is that what you... That's me. Was that so gross? Yeah, that's that's. I don't that's like cool how though. he wrapped it in wet, wrapped it in wet cloth. I always thought in my second life I would have always loved to be like a like a foley artist, like a sound effects guy. They'd just be so fun. Just like to, trying to figure out the stuff. Yeah, just like and you're recording the sounds, that. and you know, sitting on the with the horse. Clop, 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 yeah, there was a girl to... the other day I saw on TikTok where she was like, "I walk for a living," and she would put on different shoes, shoes. and things. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool. Okay, you ready to get into segments? I think this is going to be longer than our... <laughs> oh, no. All right, let's do it. Just our talk. Okay, Colin moment. There actually is one this week, and I'll, I'll keep it quick. It's never really referenced, but when they're going through all of Max's tapes, some of them look like they were the product of the Columbia House Record and Tape Club. 
So I can't, you can't talk about 80s music and not talk about the Columbia House Record and Tape Club where you can get 11 CDs or cassettes for a penny. It was a scam. It was a scam. I actually I was found, never I was, allowed to do it. I was doing some research. I did it several times. I found this, uh, it was a YouTube uh, story today about how they did it, you know, how they could get away with doing it, you know, and giving away things for a penny and and how the whole thing worked and how it was all just a huge ripoff and blah, blah, blah. So I'll post the link to that. It's kind of funny. I also found like a 1980s commercial for Columbia House, which is kind of funny too. Like Cindy Lauper, Phil Collins, and the police, all for a penny. <laughs> I won't dwell on it, but I did love Columbia House. I mean, that's how I kind of fed my, you know, tape collection. I had like, good Lord, I had like 200 cassettes at one point. I just like this massive collection and it was like 75% of it came from Columbia House. And Oh, but then they would just keep charging you. Yes. Well, you had to, you had to send the, every month they would send you a new catalog and you had to pick one you like. And if you didn't send the card back saying, don't send me anything, they would send you it automatically. So that's how they got you. Um, so I ended up getting, you know, random cassettes from like, you know, the nitty gritty dirt band or whoever, you know, just oh kind of, you know, that kind of thing. So. Brenda would have killed me. Oh, I, my mom did kill me several times. <laughs> I kept coming oh, back. Ellen, you signed up for Random House again. <laughs> so that's my Colin moment. Any any children of the 80s, you know all about Columbia House Record and Tape Club. Okay, a couple locations. So we'll play a little. Where in the world is. But I won't really quiz you, but I did want to talk about where uh, some of the things were filmed because I always kind of find that stuff interesting. So the prison where Hopper is, we really get a first good look at it in this episode. It is filmed where? Lithuania. Yeah, so it is the uh, Lukishkis prison uh, in Vilnius. It actually closed as a prison in July of 2019. So good timing for the Deffer brothers to swoop into town and oh, yeah. and film there. How long um, were they over there? I honestly, I don't know if they went. Um, no, I'm not I sure. Stranger I assume things. Stranger Things, I don't know. I, I can't imagine they were there that long because when you condense all of Hopper's stuff, um, yeah, it's not all that much. But that's the kind of stuff that could be shot by like a, you know, the a second crew, like the second, you know, the assistant director or whoever. So Oh, so you it, don't think like like you don't think Joyce and Murray? No, I think they went. I just don't know if the Duffers went. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I'm not sure. They could have. I I'm I'm just guessing. So then uh we have Penhurst, uh which we've talked about before in a where in the world is, and that was filmed Georgia. Yes. At yes. Barry Barry College in Rome, Georgia. B-E-R-R-Y. It's also uh, Sweet Home Alabama had um, some stuff filmed there. Oh. And a couple of, there were a couple other things that were filmed there. And then 10 minutes down the road from Barry College in Rome, Georgia, is the... Creel House. Creel House, uh, which was the Claremont House. It still is the Claremont House. It was uh, built in 1882. Um, it was actually a bed and breakfast until, I think, 2019. And then it shut down as a bed and breakfast and was a, and went for, went up for sale. Any idea how much it sold for? 500,000. Exactly. 500,000. Uh-uh. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it was on the market for like 499, or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know what it sold for, but that's what it was on the market. Yeah. For, so. And then we've also Max goes to the Roan Hill cemetery. We've talked about Roan street in Durham and then also Curly mm-hmm. street in Durham too, uh, which is the trailer park was references being off of there. So there's your locations. Tire peel outs. Oh my goodness. How many? I counted six. So when Jason peels out of the driveway after talking with Erica, when Nancy comes screaming into Penhurst, when Murray pulls up at the fish and fly with Joyce in his car, 
it's not like screeching halt, but you know, there's a, right. there's a certain amount of sound there. When Steve leaves with Max after the Vecna confrontation at the trailer, um, he pulls out. When Argyle picks up the guys after the shootout, he tears off. And then when Nancy and Robin tear out of Penhurst. So there's six tire peel outs in the course of what, an hour and 15 minutes. So, okay, let's go to the movies. You should be at the mall or like watching a movie or something. I have quite a few, but a lot of them are probably the same ones you have. Yeah, I mean, I had, you know, obviously we talked about Silence of the Lambs. We talked mm-hmm. about The Great Escape in the 1963 movie. We talked about the posters on the walls for Little Shop of Horrors and Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, it's not a movie, but I like the Punch and John reference when Mike was talking to Will. Oh, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so talk about chips. Rocket um, ship slide yeah. from Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah, there were a lot of, the him scraping his fingernails on the table kind of reminded me of. That yeah. made me sick too. <laughs> It just because his nails were so chewed off. Yeah. Uh, um, did you catch the stuff in the attic? No, I was going to ask you about that because I assume that's something that I wouldn't know, but you would. So in the attic, there are like, and again, you know how I feel about these. I don't know if people are just desperate to make anything a reference or if they really are, but there's a white dress, which could be construed as like a reference to Stephen King's Carrie. There's a wheelchair, which could be misery. And there's a circus tent, which could be it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I figured there was something. Yeah, I mean, I know that they like lean heavily into like Stephen King references, but yeah. Uh, Yuri was counting his money and he said he loved the smell of cash in the morning. That's the yeah, apocalypse, apocalypse now. now. And then I got when Joyce was drinking of her coffee mug and dropped the coffee mug that really screamed usual suspects to me at the end when they figure out. Oh, who yeah. Kaiser Sose is mm-hmm. and the cop drops the mug and it's the same yep. shot and kind of breaks the coffee mug yeah that's a um, good call so that's what I had for movies did you have any little things I did I had two wait did, did you see something yeah. what did what did you see one of them was during the the water the what's it called yeah the water the the, the tracking shot, the single yeah. shot, the single take. When they're getting shot at. The shootout. Mike is grabbing, like panicked, grabbing Jonathan's shirt when they're leaving. Like he can't get a good grip on it. So he he's just like, they really do act scared. Like they are yeah. screaming. Like and Charlie, Charlie mentioned that. I was going to mention that and I forgot to. Charlie mentioned that in the video that I'll post. Watch it again and watch Noah through the whole thing. Because his facial expressions are, I mean, he's like legitimately freaking out, scared. <laughs> It's just, it's just really cool. I mean, he really gets into it, which is cool. And my other thing was that Billy is still sweaty in the upside down, which is a callback to how sweaty he was at the battle of Starcourt. Cause it was, you know, July 4th. Maybe he was, maybe he was frozen in time, like spoiler alert. Or maybe the upside down is is hell and it's hot there. It could be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I noticed in the hallway when they were in the high school, there was the Halley's Comet bulletin board in the, in the hallway. Um, When Max sees the. Uh, when when they're when when Lucas shows up, essentially it's in. It's oh in yeah, did Halley's Comet come in nineteen eighty six? Yeah, April of eighty six. So in in a couple of weeks. I remember people freaking out about that. Yeah, I was a freshman in high school at the time. I remember it. I remember it coming. Yeah, I was six. Yeah, so that was comes in a couple of weeks in the Stranger Things timeline. We mentioned Argyle's pineapple phone message. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved. It was just one of these random things when Yuri was talking about how he turned, you know, betrayed everybody. There's a dustbuster like an original Dustbuster hanging on the wall behind him, like the old, I mean, Dustbusters are still a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the old beige. Yes. I thought that was kind of funny. 
Dustin in the second half of the episode has his uh, hoodie on and it's got like a circuit yeah. on his hoodie. So this this was my wormhole this week. I'm like, I got to figure out what the circuit is for. So <laughs> I will. Um, I gave up on trying to figure out what golf tournament they were watching and instead he moved on to the circuit focused on the circuit. So it is an actual circuit for an A-stable multivibrator. What's that? I don't know. It's an electrical thing, but I'll post a link. There's a whole paper on what it is and everything. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, so any any engineering nerds out there that are curious what was on Dustin's hoodie, I'll, I will put that link up. I also noticed that Billy's uh, birthday is coming up soon. Oh, yes. Um, I, I took his, um, I was looking at his birthday, like the years. And so yeah. he died when he was 18. Nine, yeah, because it was his birthday. He would have turned 19 on March 29th, which is like five days away. I also, and this was like a legitimate little thing when they're at the graveside with Max. And it was a Luke, goof. And Lucas tells, or, or Steve tells Dustin to go back to the car. And like Dustin completely trips and falls and like rolls over. Ground. Yeah. Okay, that was not what I thought you were going to say. So I, mean, I don't know if that was a goof or not. I was talking about the headstone. Yes. Remember people were freaking out yes. about like it saying William. And then that was, we Billy. actually had an email. Melissa wrote an email to us. I was going to get to that in a little bit, but we can okay. talk about it now if you want. Cause Melissa was curious uh, if you had any thoughts and I didn't really know. I assumed it was just a continuity issue, but it, yeah, it was just an actual goof. Like they didn't mean to do that, which is disappointing. <laughs> <'Cause> people were, <laughs> People were so convinced it meant something. Conspiracy theories, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and my last little thing was, if I were next to you, I'd punch you in the shoulder and say, punch buggy orange, because there, there was a Volkswagen Beetle outside Penhurst when Nancy and Robin were walking in. Oh, I didn't so notice Punch that. buggy orange, no punch. You're bags. not allowed to punch me. I own one. I know. <laughs> okay, music. So I do want to mention on the chalkboard in Penhurst, there were the two dream song so there's i'll see you in my dreams and wrap your troubles in dreams both made famous by bing crosby uh wrap your troubles in dreams was 1931 i'll see you in my dreams is 1947 i won't play clips of those but just so you know the first song that i will play a clip from is legless by hip bone slim and the knee tremblers this is the song that is playing when they call argyle and he gives his whole pineapple spiel came out actually in 2013 they were a british kind of punk kind of surf kind of rock band and i mean they're very contemporary i mean it's a 2013 recording and they just put out a, a new album last year so if you like that kind of music they're a thing and they're actually pretty good the next song is hard feelings by al kirby k-e-r-b-e-y This is the song that's playing on the radio uh, in Steve's car when they're driving. Originally came out in 1980, uh, never went anywhere, and poor Al was kind of forgotten. But I don't know the whole story here, but Fervor Records discovered his stuff somewhere, I guess, and re-released it all. So there's a 2017 remastered and re-released version of this album that's out there. So if you like that music, it's kind of 70s, 80s, kind of yacht rocky kind of stuff. So look up. Al Kirby, K-E-R-B-E-Y. And then the next song is Pass the Duchy by Musical Youth. This came out in September of 1982, went to number 10 on the charts, went to number one, though, in 12 different countries, including uh, the UK. It's actually 
everybody thought it was kind of a drug song and it is, but kind of indirectly, indirectly, because the original song that's based on is called Pass the Cushy, which is very much a drug song by the Mighty Diamonds. But to keep the Pass the Duchy version playable, they took out all the drug references and put in food references. So, you know, how does it feel when you got no food and Pass the Duchy? Duchy is kind of slang for a pot, like a Dutch oven. So they made it not about drugs, but it's about food. So, but it's everybody knows it's still kind of about drugs. So that's how they kind of got away with it and, and made it a song. What do you mean got away with it? Why weren't they allowed to do it the first time? Well, it's a bunch of kids singing about past the drugs. <laughs> it's oh, musical yeah. youth. It's a, it's a bunch of kids. And it was early in the 80s, too, when you know, this, this kind of thing wasn't done too much. Nowadays, sure. <laughs> but at the time, let's think back 40 years ago with the musical. Oh, yeah. OK. All right. All right. Uh, and then the last song is Dream a Little Dream of Me dream, by Ella Fitzgerald. Dream a little dream of me. Interesting story with this one. It came out in the summer of 1950. At the same time in the summer of 1950, seven versions of this song were out there. This was before they had charts. But there were seven different versions of Dream a Little Dream of Me that were all on the radio or in, you know on music at once including this Ella Fitzgerald version, which is the one that is that is featured here. And I said that was the last song, but obviously- yeah, I was we, like, what? We, we kind of have to talk about running up that hill. We talked about it, you know, obviously in the first episode, but I'll post a bunch of this. There's a whole bunch of stories on this. It is currently number four in the US charts, number one on iTunes. It is currently number two in my head on repeat, only number, directly behind the- Chrissy TikTok, Wake Up. Chrissy Wake Up TikTok Chrissy, okay. sound, yeah. so- uh, it's number one in the UK. It, this thing is just blown up. It's set all kinds of records. Like I'll post a couple links. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there, including Cher uh, this week, congratulating Kate Bush for being the oldest woman to have um, a number one song, which I thought was kind of cool because Cher did hold the record. And now Kate Bush. Are you serious? So, yeah. Cher How old had is she? Cher, 60 some odd and Cher was 50 some odd when uh, Believe came out. Yeah. So Cher had the record for oldest solo female number one song. And now Kate Bush has it. So Cher sent a little congratulatory note to Kate Bush. So I thought that was kind of cool. So so before we get to superlatives, we do have a couple emails that I wanted to blow through kind of quickly. One um, is from my new best friend, Sky in Massachusetts, uh, who informs us that TV tag is very much a thing in her world when she was growing up. So All I right, think guys, we get it. I think we're up to, I got like 28, 29 people backing me up on this. So. No, no <laughs> way. You have like seven, seven people total. And you all played the same game one time together. <laughs> so then uh, I mentioned Melissa's email about the Billy, Billy versus William on the gravestone. We talked about that. Ben wrote in with an email, um, kind of continuing on with our conversation about Robin and autism last week. He said, uh, Robin's change of personality between season three and four is actually the most realistic of all the kids and what I would expect for a fairly normal teenager who suddenly found herself tortured, drugged, and fighting a monster all in one night and then having to be completely silent about it ever since. So my question is, why aren't any of the other kids messed up? <laughs> Which a is a point. very good point. It's a good point. And I all don't have an answer. Would but... be in would be in mental institutions. Yes. At this point. Yes. So thank you, Ben. We have no answer, but it was a very good email. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Sherry wrote in talking about running up that hill, saying she's seen a lot of comments about 
uh, the song reflecting Max's wish that she could swap places with Billy. She thinks that Max wishes she could swap places with other people in her life so they could understand which, what Max really experienced in regards to Billy's death and how it affected her, which I like. I like that's a fair enough theory to have. So thank you, Sherry, for writing in. And oh, then see, finally- I have a different theory about that, but I don't Hit know me. if we should save it for part two or if I think it's going to come into play. Uh, this is my, I do I do not know anything so this is not like spoilery at all it's just me, me guessing I think that Lucas is going to get vectored and I think Max is going to swap places with him to save him oh that makes sense I like that because I know that the scene in the trailer with her putting her Walkman on again well and there's play. that in that one clip that they were Gaten and Caleb were talking he shows. Caleb shows Gaten his phone and Gaten says, Oh, are those contacts you're wearing? And he's like, did they hurt? And that makes me think he had those, his eyes. Right. Like, yeah. Max. Uh, and then our last email was from Amy. Thanks everybody for writing in. This is great. It's always yeah. great to get emails. From we everybody. love it. Uh, so Amy wrote in talking about Erica and pointing out that Erica's sass is a clear nod in her mind to what's happening. And D, the sister and what's happening, who was very, oh, yeah. do you ever watch that show? That was a little before your time. That was before you were born, I, I think actually. I saw like yeah. episodes. Uh, so yeah, that's Rerun and Raj and Dwayne and, you know, all those guys. And they had a little precocious little sister who was always really, you know, getting in their faces and stuff and yeah. just really bossy. So thank you, Amy, for wearing that. And she mentioned she wears the same hair and all that kind of stuff. And it's true. It's a good point. Okay. Superlatives. Ooh. Best line, I, I I didn't really struggle with this one, but I was trying to find what I thought was my favorite line. And I really like that bit when Robin and Nancy are running out of Penhurst and Nancy wants Robin to run and Robin just says, Okay, I'm warning you right now, I have terrible coordination. Like it took me six months longer to learn to walk than all the other babies. Oh my babies. No, oh my God. Hey! That's funny that you mentioned that because I almost went with Nancy's line of after they get in the car and it's like a really like stressful moment. And she looks at Robin and she says, you do run weird. (laughs) (laughs) I almost, I almost went with that, but instead I went with Max's speech to Steve. Steve, if you think that I'm going to spend what is likely the last day of my life in the armpit that is Mike Wheeler's basement, then you're out of your mind. So either take me where I need to go, or you're going to have to tie me down, which is technically kidnapping of a minor. And if I live to see another day, Steve, I swear to God, I will prosecute. That was good. I like that. And then we had some uh, write-ins. Jason uh, wrote in, and for his best line, he picked the scene uh, that I mentioned earlier when Robin was trying to convince Dr. Hatch uh, to let them go see Victor Creel or Earl Spiel to get him to agree to it. And then Ryan wrote in for his favorite line uh, when Steve and Dustin and Lucas were down in the basement talking about the origins of Vecna. Just pops out in the 50s, kills one family, and he's like, eh, I'm good. And poof, he just disappears, just gone only to return 30 years later and start killing some random teens? No, I don't buy it. Straightforward my ass. You know what, honestly, Henderson, a little humility every now and then, it wouldn't hurt you. Sorry. Most spirited, what did you have for that one? I actually went with, um, I guess it can be credited to Nancy, but Robin wearing those little lacy socks with those, they're not kitten heels, but they're like short, blocky, yeah, like White a little patent shoes, little pump things. Yeah, I used to have to wear those to church like every Sunday. Like my socks folded over with the lace yeah, on the, the end, fluffy, and yep. they fold over. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Um, along the same lines, I just went their outfits. I thought their outfits were great, and and that that was what was expected 
for women to wear to be taken seriously in the 80s. So much frill. Jason wrote in uh, for his spirited, uh, The Walkman. Um, he says he knows that Max used it earlier in the episode, but it was a big focus. And I remember having one around that time and listening over and over again to the Ghostbusters soundtrack. And then Ryan said for his spirited, he picked Robin's speech about uh, telling the scary stories at camp. He said he grew up camping and loved uh, telling scary stories around the fire. Okay, Stranger Thing, you already said you liked the crib. Uh, yeah, that's terrifying. Oren wrote in. He also chose the burning, the burning crib. So thank you, Oren, for writing in viewers. Jason went with the whole end scene with Vecna and uh, Max levitating and Vecna trying to kill Max and that whole thing. And then Ryan said his most stranger thing was the introduction of Victor Creel with the scratching of the fingernails into the table and the reveal of the scarred face. Mm-hmm. I kind of, the whole Creel flashback kind of freaked me out, but the eyes, the Victor yeah. Creel eyes thing is what did it for me. And I'd even seen it in the trailer, obviously, as we all had. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's still, blah. okay, MVP. I could have gone with Agent Harmon for saving the boys because he's an MVP for doing that. I could have gone with Nancy and Robin because they essentially saved Max. So, but those are characters. I couldn't not go with Sadie Sink. I mean, it was just, it was kind of a slam dunk for me. I do want to give Robert England honorable mention because the brief time he was there, he killed it. I thought he was so good. He is amazing. So I went with Sadie. I think she's just, I mean, she has turned into the star of the show as far as acting abilities and talent. And she's just, she's killing it. I think so too. Uh, Ryan went with uh, Sadie Sink. And then Jason also said he wanted to go with Kate Bush because she saved Max. Uh, But I'm going to go with Sadie Sink because she was amazing in this episode. Oren wrote in, he liked um, Harmon for MVP. Sherry wrote in and she said give it to dan levy and whoever cut the last 10 minutes of the show together um and that would be the editor dean zimmerman so sherry went with um sean levy and dean zimmerman kind of on the creative side so where did you dan levy sorry not dan levy dan levy is shit's creek i always do know there's steve levy on espn there's dan levy on shit's creek and then there's sean levy who actually directed stranger things so sean levy i always do that so where'd you go um i went with max i went with just max mayfield the character because as much as she gets on my nerves her performance in not always she got on my nerves in this episode because of the whole like not speaking but uh her entire thing with vecna and escaping him and her running and falling and running again and the flashbacks i i just i love it i could watch that scene a million times And I think that, oh, before I do want to mention, um, I want to thank everyone again for sending in their emails and all their superlatives and everything. If you could, because sometimes we get them after we've recorded the episode, if you could send them in by say like noon on the Tuesday before the Thursday episode drops, that would give us time to go through and make sure we have them and to incorporate them into the episode. All right. That does it for this week. As always, you can find us on social media at Scoops Ahoy Pod. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Next week, we'll be back discussing Chapter 5, the Nina Project. So we'll pick back up with Eleven and Dr. Brenner and that. So I want to thank everybody for listening, and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.
Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.